Welcome to Shoot the Breeze, where we take a nostalgic look at a random football magazine from the past. I'm Andy Smith, aka Scotch Footy Cars on Twitter, and with me is Tom Brogan. Hello. Each episode, we will invite a special guest to join us on trawling through the magazine and discuss anything contained within it. This could be anything from an article to a photo to a competition to an advert. Basically, if it's in it, we'll talk about it. So sit back and let's shoot the breeze. guest today is the author of two short story collections, Hings and HWFG, a former sandwich artist, shoe salesman, crime scene cleaner, labourer and barber. He won the Outstanding Literature Award at the Herald Scottish Culture Awards 2019 and the Best Short Story Collection at the 2018 Saboteur Awards. Welcome, Chris McQueer. Hello. Welcome, Chris. Thanks Thanks for joining us oh, um, on our, our maiden podcast here. <laughs> so... I hope you enjoy it. We've uh, picked out a shoot magazine from 1990 for you. It's the uh, 21st of July, 1990, and you've got it right in front of you here. Do, yeah. um, nice colour photograph of Gaza on the front in his England gear. So, yeah, thanks for joining us. Oh, cheers, boys. Thanks, sir. Thanks very much for having us. No problem. I was lying in bed reading it last night, and like I was saying, I just felt like a wee boy again. Like, it was amazing. Yeah, no, great stuff. <laughs> Shall we just... Dive into yeah. it. Yeah, so this issue is just off the back of England's 1990 semi-final defeat to West Germany. So it's a front and back. Gary Lineker's on the back. With a, a He's doing his knees up Mother Brown in face, isn't it? I have to say, I've noticed quite a few of the Gary Lineker poses um, as that sort of knees up Mother Brown. You know, hey, our cockney geezer. <laughs> but I guess you have to see it to appreciate that. Um, but just on the front, just a couple of things I wanted <coughs> to... So it's 50 pence, so 1990, this was worth 50 pence. Now, I've run this through the magical um, online calculator, right. and it's equivalent of pound 60. Now, mm. I, don't, I, don't, I don't believe in that. I don't think that if shoot was out today, that you'd pay a pound 60 for it. A weekly I think, magazine? Yeah, I, I, I think you'd be paying four or five pounds. Uh, no, weekly. For that. Mm. Not a weekly. So, a monthly magazine, absolutely. Yeah. You, th- you, th- you think a pound sixty for a weekly magazine? For a weekly magazine with forty-eight great pages. Well, it probably wouldn't be front. forty-eight great pages anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, because it is pretty packed, you know. I, I mean, th- there's a lot of reading in it and a lot, of, a lot of football, and even the adverts are quite entertaining. Well, the, the great thing about shoot at this point in nineties, I think, sort of early nineties to the mid nineties, it started getting really commercial, as did mm. most magazines at the time, and with this. There isn't a great deal of adverts in it. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there, there's a few which we'll probably go through some of them um, through this, but it's not wall to wall, page after page after page adverts. So mm-hmm. for that, there's a lot of content in there. Um, I think you're well worth your 50 pence. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't but, recall grudging it at the time. Well, it was probably my mum that was paying <laughs> for it when I was getting shit regularly, but I don't yeah. recall graduating it. I mean, I think for, for us, so I've, I've got four, three brothers and a sister, and, you know, it would have been a mix for us. So, you know, wouldn't have been just one of us that would pay that. It would have been, right, this is for the five of you, so, mm-hmm. you know, be happy about it. So who that. get first dibs on it? Oh, it wouldn't have been me. I was, I was the second youngest, so. Yeah. Plus, they all hated me anyway, so I was probably the last one. <laughs> 
So this is, is quite a triumphant time in English football. You know, they've narrowly failed uh, in the World Cup and as the front proclaims, they're back in Europe. Mm. Uh, and of course, the sort of 1990 World Cup was kind of the re- renaissance of the English game. Yeah. Getting back into Europe and of course, that's kind of... The Premiership comes along a few years few years later. I mean, I think one of the interesting things... There is an article later on um, that actually goes on about the the press outside of the, the UK, how they reacted to it. Mm-hmm. So England, you know, thought this was this was the, the best, you know, a big glorious failure and things like that. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, the rest of the, the world's press weren't too impressed by England. I think oh, there was a... The, the team of the tournament and there was only actually one England player who made it and it was um, Des Walker I think and he was on the bench so they took a bit of umbrage to that as well so you know once again it's a bit insular um, they thought it was a, the best thing since sliced bread which you know they did really well there's no getting away from that but I don't think it was quite as um, quite as important to the football world in general as it was to just the English mm-hmm. Um so just on the front as well, let's just to take a look at what's inside. So we've got um, guys on the front, as we've said, um, a 16-page full-colour 1990 souvenir. Now, that just sounds absolutely magnificent. Um, as we go through it, it does go through each group individually, each section, semi-finals, there's, there's teams, there's goals. So it does give you a lot of information. Reading through it again, actually, um, having... Watched it. I mean, you you were born in ninety one. That's that right, Chris. So you, you just missed this. <laughs> um, having watched it, it brings it all back. The you know the results and the feelings at the time, so just by even looking at the results and the goal scorers and things like that. So in that way, it's really good. So, Chris, have you seen much of the nineteen ninety World Cup on have not. No, YouTube or whatever? I have not. I have not. First World Cup I really remember is just ninety eight. Right. So it is. But that, the least you got to see Scotland. Yeah, I know, that's World true. Cup. I mean, that's... There, there's people, well be the there's adults, there's <laughs> adults out there that haven't seen Scotland at World man. Cup, and that's just mental. I know. Um, so, Fergie's hands, heart transplant. So, there's, there's a title, Fergie's heart transplant. And this isn't about Alex Ferguson having a cardiac arrest. But rather, it's a feature on Derek Ferguson on his move to hearts. So, we'll have a look at that, possibly. Uh, David Platt talks to shoot in his future after a stunning World Cup adventure. And uh, lastly, there's a chance to win some of Gaza's footballs. I mean, how how exciting is that? <laughs> so, just on this World Cup, Chris, mm-hmm. um, I take it your memory was the same memories, but the visuals you have for that is probably the Gaza moment and crying aye, and Gaza, things like that. Gaza greeting, aye. Um, just like kind of YouTube clips, things I've seen, see like kind of like videos and that you get yeah. at Christmas, like yeah. things like that. And um, I just remember like. Watching the kind of videos when I was younger, it's just like all the strips just pure pop in my mind. All the yeah. strips were a lot better than nowadays. You know what I mean? They're all my geometric patterns, and that was amazing. Everything just seemed a lot more passionate as well. Yeah. The game seemed a bit more rough. It was good. Yeah. Oh, was, the thing is with, with the guys are crying, and you know this, Tom. It, it absolutely blew up afterwards. I mean, there was yeah. Walker's Crisp adverts and things like that where <laughs> there was tears. Cut. I don't That's know if you've ever yeah, seen yeah, that yeah. one, yeah. Um, which was actually really good. But then there was also Stuart Pierce and. Um, who else was it? Missed the penalty. Chris Waddle. Chris Waddle. I mean, the, you know, there was there was stuff with them as well. So the, there was a lot that came out of it that ended up being used for for commercial purposes, I suppose. Um, so we'll we'll take a look through, shall we? Um, yes. Anybody want to pick anything out that we can have a wee chat on, or 
Well, I think if we start with, because it goes on about England, the English ban is over <coughs> in, in Europe. Uh, so, of course, English clubs were banned after the high school disaster in 1985 and post-World Cup 1990, uh, they were starting, UEFA started to allow English teams to come back in. So there's a big PC on the Brian Robson column uh, where he's chuffed to be playing in Europe at the age of 33. Mm. Now, there's, there's a couple of points that I wanted to take up on this. So according to Brian, I think there was a two-year ban for all English clubs and a further three years for Liverpool. But having looked at it, I think there was a five-year ban for, for clubs and initially Liverpool were banned indefinitely. Well, I, And I, then I, it was I'm, set to ten years but reduced to six years. Well, I, I've got it here from the reports at the time. So the Financial Times, June 1st, 1980. Five. So the football association, the English football association, withdrew all English clubs voluntarily from the next youth season of European competition, sort of hoping to, I guess, kind of uh, see off an overall ban. But I think the the mood at the time after Heysel was that the English clubs had to sort of take action themselves without waiting for UEFA to come in. But uh, June third, uh, UEFA banned all English clubs indefinitely from inter-club matches in Europe. UEFA Executive Committee brought its Basel, uh, Basel meeting forward a month following the riots at the European Cup final. Uh, and at that point, they were pondering an English national team ban as well. I think um, one of the interesting things I, I read from this um, was that Clubs could still play friendlies in Europe, so yeah. clubs could play friendlies, but Belgium actually um, banned all English clubs from their country. So it would be interesting to find out when that ban was actually oh, yeah. lifted. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, it's quite an extreme measure to do that. And, I mean, I think knowing the history and what happened, you can understand why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, uh, so Liverpool appeal. So UEFA bans English clubs indefinitely and Liverpool for a further three years after they lifted it. And UEFA, uh, Liverpool appealed uh, and their, their appeal was, was rejected. Mm. I mean, there's also, a, there's a, as well as the Brian Robson, there's an Ian Rush article just on the, the bottom of the page as well. And he <coughs> thinks that there's another three-year ban coming for Liverpool. But as I say, that was... I think they came back just the next they season. They came back the next season, yeah. So, aye, so... And Manchester United goes on to win the European Cup Winners' Cup that season, the first yeah. season back. Uh, Aston Villa were the other team who went into Europe as well um, in the UEFA Cup. So, as you say, Man United, it was against Barcelona, wasn't it? it was Barcelona in the final, that, yeah. There was that famous Mark Hughes goal where he just pinged it and it went in like a rocket from a, a lovely angle. Um, Villa went out against Inter in the second round. So, you know, I think it... The reintroduction was quite successful. Yeah. You know, to win the win a big cup was pretty good. There's a wee quote there from from uh, from, from Brian Robson talking about how the the, the World Cup uh, helped English clubs back into Europe. We didn't roll around looking for free kicks. We picked ourselves up, shook hands with our opponents, and got on with the game. Yeah, <laughs> the God, English way. God bless <laughs> her. Had a cup of tea, yeah. just got on with it. But I think change days now. Yeah. Yeah, I think ever ever since the introduction, probably after this, because that's when Klinsman came, yeah, wasn't it? So yeah. after that, that's when they all started just doing the Klinsman dive. <laughs> yeah, a couple of discrepancies, as say, around the the high band or the the European bands as a result of high mm. Um 
Now, regarding Platt, he's had quite obviously quite a good career. Um, started off at Crewe when from Villa, then had a Italian journey to Bari, Juventus, Sampdoria, then back to Arsenal and Nottingham Forest. And there was a lot of money paid for him at the time as well. He signed for Bari for five and a half million, went to Juventus for six and a half, Sampdoria for five point two, and then Arsenal four point seven five. Now, back then, these were top transfer fees. I mean, that's you know, you could get a Scottish Premier player at these sort of monies now, and um, you could maybe times that by ten, and you would get a David Platt these days. Jeez, yeah, we've come a long way since oh, the <laughs> since the nineties in terms yeah. of um, transfer fees. We were talking about asking my pals the other day. We were trying to work out how much Toy Andrew Flo would cost oh. in nowadays money. My pal probably said, less. Probably that less. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was a crazy transfer at the, at the I time. Know, it just yeah. came with the blue line, just paid all that money for him. Anyway, it was actually not bad for him. His goal well, scoring record, I think his goal scoring record mm-hmm. was alright, but it just wasn't. You know, it wasn't the sort of player that. That excited people mm-hmm. to the degree that they paid. What was it? Nine, ten, eleven million or something. Twelve, eleven, twelve. Right, let's have a wee move on, shall we? So, no more Mad Mark. So there's a, an article here on Mark Wright. Um, he was at Derby County at the time. So Mark Wright was an England defender. Um, he was in the 1990 squad. And he's actually scored, found... He scored against Egypt in the World Cup finals. OK. Um, he founded a Premier Legends, a company that gives fans a chance to join ex-England and Premier League star, stars for stadium tours and things. So, you know, he's gone to the corporate side of things. Um, he moved to Derby when Robert Maxwell was the club chairman. So, you know, Robert Maxwell, there's a man, eh? Um, it refers, the article actually refers to him being branded a troublemaker in his early days at Southampton. Um, but he says he's matured, as they all do. I mean, who, whoever says... Oh, you've got a reputation for being a, a bad man. Say, well, it's actually true, and I, it's not going to change. Everybody says, <laughs> "I've matured, I've calmed down, I've got married, and then at the end of the season, no. they've got fourteen red cards or something." You like never that. hear people <laughs> saying, "I'm a madman and I love it." <laughs> I'm out getting mental every night, and I'm rattling I'm a in the bar. <laughs> <laughs> Try and send me half refs. Come on. So, <laughs> he, he, put, he puts um, his, his change in attitude down to the Derby manager Arthur Cox. Um, he says he put me right from day one and how to handle myself both off the field and on the field. So well done, Arthur. You you sorted them out. Um, he moved to Derby County in 1984. He got them promoted from the third division, and then they won the second division the next year into the first division. So back to back promotions. Um, he was re- relegated with them in 1991 after a lack of funds from Robert Maxwell, but um, he then resigned in 1993 due to ill health. So. Mark, I, I remember him as a, you know, solid defender. Yeah. Um, you know, there's nothing flashy of that about him. He, you know, you wouldn't want to come up against him. I think he was one of those players who, who you know, you would get a tough game against. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I quite like Mark. Uh, page seven, let's have a look at page seven. Advert, young person's rail card. Yeah. Now, hands up who had a young person's rail card. I had a young person's rail card. Well, put your hand up then, 16. even though this isn't video. Yeah, right. know, for, for the record, Tom put <laughs> his hand up, okay, even if he says he didn't. So a young person's rail card, um, it basically, you bought a card and you got a percentage off rail travel. Now, th- the fact is, I, I don't actually remember using it that much. I didn't have much chance. I think I sort of bought it thinking, 
I'm going to travel. I'm going to see things. I'm going to do things. Truth was, I spent my money buying a rail card and I couldn't afford to travel. So, you know, there we go. But just in the advert, it's a, it's a full page colour advert with Dr. Ruth. Dr. Newt, Chris, you won't remember no. Dr. Ruth no. at all. So Dr. Ruth was on the TV at the time, mm-hmm. it's probably ch- Channel 4, right. but she was a, a sex therapist. Sex <laughs> so, Don't get uncomfortable about this, okay? Man, right? <laughs> but an inter- she was a Holocaust survivor as well, yep. and oh. she's still, still alive. 91 years 91. old she is, yeah. Uh, yeah. An American sex therapist, media personality, author, radio, television, talk show host. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she was sort of... On the, on the telly a lot, around about that time. Is that why these wee sub-headings are a bit suggestive? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Pleasure, yeah. In terms also, of yeah, but also if you notice, it's like, start using it as soon as you're 16, at 24, you will be too old. <laughs> so, you know, they're, they're sort of playing on a German accent as well there, so... I think there was a couple of references to Vs instead of Ws, so... Um, but there we go, Young Person's Real Card, it, it promised a lot, and for me personally, it never really returned much. Page 8... Greavesy. So Greavesy gives over his letters column here just to his his um, dissection of the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Greavesy's mailbag. So we don't have a, a, an exciting mailbag here in, the, in this one because it used to be that people would people would tell Jimmy Greaves <coughs> off and he yeah. would tell me. But he <laughs> just, in this, yeah, in this one he's just venting, isn't he? He's, yeah. he's just saying, I don't want any letters this month. Right? <laughs> he's just going to listen to me. Now, you know... Jimmy Greaves was an undoubted footballing talent, but I've never really warmed to him as, a, as an individual. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think I'm not going to use that phrase, and I know the phrase, everybody knows this phrase, but you know, some people like him, some people don't. There we go. Um, so he starts off talking about the manager, Bobby Robson. He says he responded superbly to the challenge. Um, he said the eight-year reign as England manager, magnif- managed with dignity and courage. But he does point to the hassle he's received for years, so... You know, even I say even then, it's probably been consistent through history, football and history anyway. That the English press, Scottish press as well, do it, but the English press just, you know, they're not very positive when it comes to the English team. And even when the English team get positive results, there's always something to bring them down. Mm-hmm. You know, and the, the the eve of a major championship, stories come out just to try. Why would you try and unsettle your own national mm-hmm. team just before a major championship? Right. I don't get that. So Jimmy actually points to this and, you know, says Bobby's done. I mean, I, I, I absolutely love Bobby Robson. I think he was a fantastic manager. Came across as a magic man as well. Um, so Greaves, he's pointed to that. Well done. So pre these tournaments, it generally is negative publicity you get because that's what journalists focus on and what they can make hay about, which is... Which is why my, my theory that Brexit won't be quite as bad is because how long are we in and Brexit's getting discussed? <laughs> because pre-World Cups, everybody focused on the negative and how it would be mm. a disaster, and it usually turned out all right. Mm. And this is kind of why I think Brexit, eh, it'll not be that bad, going by pre-World Cup coverage in the, the past. That's, yeah. that's, that's my a, theory. That's a good theory. I, hold on, that's, that's the sound of 50% of our... Listeners turning off. I, I don't. I don't think it's a good idea. I just think. But that's the other based on, based on based on pre World Cup and European Championships negative coverage. It's a similar. It's a similar thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's your thoughts on Brexit, Chris? Let's leave that. So the next thing he talks about the team, um, and he thinks there's a. I mean, Graham Graham Taylor's coming in for the the English manager, and he thinks he's inheriting a great nucleus. So he's got Gaza, Wright, Platt, Des Walker, Paul Parker. 
So, I mean, there's, there's some good names there, but, you know, I think we look back nostalgically at a lot of things and think, oh, wouldn't we love to have that team again? But at the time, they just didn't perform as, as well as maybe they should have. But, I mean, it's still great names there as well. Um, talks about the system the next time. So, uh, converted to a sweeper system, this was Mark, Mark Wright's preferred position. So, he preferred playing as a sweeper. Uh, so, England moved to that. And curiously, says they can't continue with two wingers unless they find someone more reliable than John Barnes and Chris Waddle. Someone more reliable than John Barnes and Chris Waddle. I mean, let's face it, wingers generally are unreliable. You don't, you seldom get a winger who will take on a man and beat him every time. You, you know, wingers are always going to take a man on, fail, take a man on, fail, try, beat them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you want them no, never to give up, mm -hmm. but you can't get frustrated with a winger who tries something and it doesn't come off. Yeah, so. mm -hmm. And um, I mean, you obviously, I mean, you know John Barnes and you, you, you know an Chris Waddle as well. I mean, fantastic players. Mm -hmm. um, so in this one, I'm not really going to agree with Greavesy. Um, now we get to the supporters here when, as we've touched on, there was the lifting of the European ban. This was an indication of the improved behaviour. Um, Greavesy, however, does mention the thugs who charged through the streets of Cheshire and Brighton mm -hmm. after um, semi-final defeat. Um, so I think this is probably just another case of the alcohol and testosterone-fueled football fans. You know, after a, you know, whether they win or lose, just causing riot so he said he thinks the courts should deal with them and severely severely deal with them to deter copycats i, I mean i don't disagree with that uh, i don't think anybody can um so on it page nine we have sports stars football figurine this is a great thing um so a figurine is defined as a statuette especially one of a human form so I, I just the the, the reason I, I I defined that there I just think figurines one of these words which it just seems a bit ancient seems a bit old like ottoman you know or pantry <laughs> you know it's words that you think I use these not on a daily basis but I use these without thinking then you step back and you think what ottoman I mean who uses ottoman and I just think figurines one of those as well you know it's it's something that's in your old grannies. On the windy ledge or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the, these sports stars, they're, they're like four and a half inches high. They're, they're um, football figures. Um, and the, the, the title at the top says, only Tommy Doherty has had more clubs. So Tommy Doherty actually managed 14 different teams. <laughs> so the sports stars collection, there's over 60 lifelike figures. So more than 14, let's, let's just say that. Um but they also have the, the strap line, collect the players who collect the trophies, which is a nice wee strap line. Mm -hmm. um, they're in a variety of poses um, and a variety of strips and designs. But the thing is, if you start looking at them, you can see similarities. So it turns out there's only five or six different poses. Mm -hmm. But I, I, would, I would suggest that that Paul McStay one, that's him pinging a 60 yards cross-field <laughs> ball. But that, that, that's the magic of it though, isn't it? You you read into it what you want, whereas I think that's just a wee two-yard pass to the side. No, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 when it comes to Paul McStay, that was a 60-yard... Peter Grant, it would have been a sort of point. two yards. <laughs> He'd have been pointing where he was going to hit it, but we actually moved it. Um, I went to Peter Grant's testimonial when I was younger. Right? I even knew, I can remember, it was the worst game of football I've ever been to. Who was it against? Bayern Munich. 
Bayern Munich. And it was terrible. Was that the Celtic part? Aye. What was so bad about it? Just, just dull as anything. Just nothing, nothing happened. I think it was nothing each. The thing is, you, <laughs> you think with, with the testimonials, no, you, you can get away with doing anything. Are you want sort of your players getting piggybacks nah, and yeah. stuff, stuff, <laughs> stuff like that? And, uh, ah, it's games that like, finish 9-5 nine, nine and stuff like <laughs> that, you want. Nobody what year was it? Would this have been? I, I'm just trying to work out if the crowd would have been an exact number or, or not. 96 or something. <laughs> no, it would, it would have been an actual number. <laughs> so, um, Chris, now, you're a, a former kit model. Mm-hmm. Was that correct? Aye, aye, I modelled the, the Celtic strip. I think aye. it was a 95, 96 catalogue. So I did, and um, I got to meet uh, Simon Donnelly that day. Right. So I did, and um, I was heartbroken because they give you the strip and you put it on, you go and sit in the pits, you sit in a wee football and you take a photo and all that. They're all that, right, give it back. And I thought I thought I was going to get to keep it, and I didn't. I wasn't allowed to keep it. That it's ruined the whole day for me. Thank you, do you? It's probably because Simon Dolan afterwards. Yeah. He done that, and then they're like, "Right, you're going for a stadium tour now." And there's just loads of pictures of me, like my face absolutely threatening <laughs> me. And Fergus, there's a picture like Fergus McCann was kicking about, and he's stunning like the European Cup, and he's trying to give me it. And I'm stunning like that. <laughs> Just ungrateful. How you ruin it? Yeah. <laughs> I, I honestly, I, I don't know what to say to that. Do you? Maybe, maybe we can crowdfund and get Chris a wee, a wee strip, a wee miniature. I, I would have fitted them at the time. <laughs> so, I mean, these these things. I, I mean, I never collected these, but um, there's a lot of them still available on eBay. Yeah, well, here's um, one. Your Derek Mountfield, eleven ninety nine. Is wow. it actually in the packaging? It look there's like lots the of them that are still in boxes. Yeah, well, certainly this one's mm. illustrated isn't in the packaging. I See, I'm the one. Um, Corinthians, the ones with the big kids, remember them? The wee oh, Corinthians yeah, yeah, figures. Yeah. I've still got a Van Hoyd There's loads of them, though, isn't there? I think there's, there's, there's loads and loads. Mm-hmm. See, I think with uh, with a lot of them on eBay being in the packaging, I think it's sort of around about this period people started realising. I mean, people knew before, but more people started realising that if you keep things in the original packaging, mm-hmm. then they're going to be worth more mm-hmm. in later years. Unfortunately, that means more people are doing it. So ah, yeah, in yeah. later years, mm-hmm. there's a lot more of them. So the prices aren't as... Well, here's a Rude Hillet one in its packaging. It's £17.99. <laughs> £17.99? Yeah. Ah, well, we'll, we'll save that eh, until we're rich. So th- just on that, trying to work out who's who. So I've, I've got, from the back, Des Walker. Maybe I'm one of them. Not not that one, but I've, I can recognise Des Walker. Brian McClare. Was it, did I see Brian McClare? No, is that number eight? So that's Paul McStay then. Yeah, it's Paul um, McStay. I've got, oh no, Brian McClare in the, the Man United one. Oh, yeah. Is that, was yeah, it, it um, yeah. Ian Rush, Aye. Lothar Mateus, Maradona, Ruth Hulett, Les Sealy at the front. Are we okay with that? The Sharp, the goalkeeper? Yeah. I'd be guessing at the others, as I say, you know, they just, the facial features are all pretty much the same. They just, Stick a wee moustache on them, different yeah. colour of hair. Aye. You know, they, they do make some efforts. I mean, Ruth Hullet, they obviously make an effort on his hair because you yeah. couldn't get Aye. away with, you know, flat. The Maradona one's good because he's in that iconic Napoli Mars strip mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Not his Argentina kit. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think that's a, it's a combination of the hair colour, the skin colour, the strip to a degree. And, you know, the Maradona one, the hair, I think they probably model that one on Maradona and if they use it for other ones mm-hmm. they just get away with it but mm-hmm. yeah there we go I, I don't think they were actually I don't think they could actually have been used for a game of football just because of the you know it's like uh, action men and stuff you could maybe kick a ball about mm-hmm. and stuff but with all the different positions I don't think you would actually line them up on a pitch and start kicking a wee ball about mm-hmm. but let's move on so snubbed this is I think 
this was what I was talking about earlier on. So England aces get the World Cup axe. So England's World Cup heroics have apparently received a massive thumbs down from the world's media. The critics were unimpressed. The accredited press came up with a World Cup 11 and not one English player was in it, apart from Des Walker, who was on the bench. So there was no Gaza, no Lineker, no Mark Wright. But also, there was no Maradona, Hula, Vola, Zenga. Um, four of the 16-man squad contained Brazilians, who, all, as we know, only narrowly, narrowly edged past Scotland before being beaten by Argentina in the second round. So the suggestion is a touch of home nation favouritism as Italy had four players, but only made it to the same stage as England. Uh, now, I, I think with the Brazil, I think they're justified in the criticism, to be, to be honest here, with the Brazil. If you think it, Brazil only got, you know, got put out in the second round and they've got four players in it. I think a lot of that's just reputation that's probably been driving them on. Um, but then again, a lot of it maybe was based on entertainment factor because we've got, I think, Roger Miller's in there, isn't he? Mm -hmm. Roger Miller in there. And, you know, he, he was one of the the abiding memories of that tournament where he's, yeah. you know, he's goal scoring and he's hip shaking and stuff yeah. like that. He's 40-year-old pretending to be a 32-year-old sort of thing. Um, so I think, I think they've got a fair point. Um, what do you think? That's everyone's no, no, head in agreement no. there. Um, <laughs> at the bottom of the page, there's a cartoon called Nobby. Now, I don't have much to say about this. For me, Nobby was never funny. I never entertained by it. And if we never talk about it ever again, <laughs> I'm pretty happy with that. I was reading this last night. And I Did you laugh? I don't really get it. Yeah, good, good, because it's, 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 I'm not, we're not even going to discuss what's going on, because I don't think it's worth putting people through that. Let's just say Nobby was a, a space filler. Yeah, and well, I, 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 I mean, most, most of the, the cartoons were kind of that, uh, of that ilk, uh, that Nobby was, uh, wasn't a very good player. Uh, but the cartoonist was a guy called David Rowe. Uh, and actually, some of his some of his cartoons are in the National Football Collection, and actually, some of his some of his drawings are actually quite detailed. He worked for the Daily Mirror for a lot of years, uh, so this probably isn't representative of his, you know, of, of his, his skills to a degree. I guess it was just a sort of popular mm. popular thing for papers that because papers were, were full of those kind of. We cartoons. Mm -hmm. Bless you, bless you, Tom, for finding the positive in oh, Nobby. Yeah, but they were. I mean, <laughs> this, this kind of thing yeah. was a staple of newspapers and of these magazines. Yeah. Over time, these wee sort of four-panel, four-panel strips think, that you would kind of go, oh, I don't really get it, or mm -hmm. kind of, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that. Uh, well, both of them sounded the same to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But see, at the time, I don't ever remember enjoying these at the time. I, I, I don't read them now. Yeah, you didn't think. look forward to it. You didn't. Yeah. Oh, what's Nobby up to this week? <laughs> right, he's managing things. He's rubbish. Right, let's. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, I think we've learned everything we need to from but Tom. I, I mean, that was good. Good information. There. I, 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 I remember a, a particular a joke from uh, from Nobby. Oh, it right. was his, his manager, uh, him saying to his manager, "I hear the England managers coming, but I'm injured and I can't play." And his manager says to him, "It's all right. He knows that." He says, "Oh, he knows I'm injured." He says, "No, he knows you can't play." <laughs> and it was pretty much that. Damn, he was I'm rubbish. I must have missed that one. That would. But, but it's, that, that, that one sticks. Right. That one sticks my mind. Okay. So next one, advert them um, Sport. Goalkeeper gloves. Now I'm, I'm a goalkeeper, um, and for me, all sport gloves have always been the best gloves that have ever been. Um, up until 
I went when I went to uni. Up until then, I'd only ever had your gardening gloves with your your rubber pimples on them, so things like that. Or for a wee bit of padding, they used to get um, ski gloves and used to use it. No grip or anything like that, but. You know, these were the days where most of the time I never wore gloves. Mm -hmm. So it was a way back then. I am that old. I am that old. <laughs> what, was there a, a sense of it was sort of manly to go out playing in goal without gloves on? Kind of, yeah. Without gloves? No, <laughs> yeah. I, I just think it was what I was done. You I mean, don't just, wear gloves. I mean, you just, you just couldn't afford. Even the, as I say, the, I, I, I remember even with the, the gardening glove type ones, it was like, you would wear them and wear them and wear them until the rubber was hanging off and things like that. And even once it came off, you'd just wear it because, you know, you couldn't afford to go out and just buy a new pair of gloves, which, you know, I've made up for it ever since, where every time I can see the goal, I think I'll get a new pair of gloves. So I've got a big room full of gloves. <laughs> um, but I, I got I got my first pair. It was um, a friend from uni. I mean, he was about, honestly, he was close to seven foot. And he just says, here, have my gloves. I'm not going to play anymore. So they were big, big gloves, but they were um, all sport, red palm, absolutely brilliant. And I'd never known anything like it before, the, the stickiness, the padding and things like that. And it was just, it just took you to the, a different level mm -hmm. for a couple of weeks. And then I, I, I reverted <laughs> back to my, my usual standards. A couple of things to, to know about the, about the goalkeeper mm -hmm. uh, jerseys and Padding was a big thing in goalkeeper jerseys of those days. One of the one of those goalkeeper jerseys seems to be ninety percent padding. <laughs> that was a, a a big thing then with shoulder the shoulder pads, the elbow pads. Did you feel you needed to have no, padding? No, no. I, th I think well, again, I mean, playing certainly in Glasgow, growing up in Glasgow, it was mostly red gravel, blaze. red blaze, that you know, ash parts, whatever you want to call it. So I mean, I'm I'm used to throw myself about on that sort of surface mm -hmm. and then you know as you, as you get a bit older into your teens or that you might start playing on grass mm -hmm. but I'd, I never went OTT or that you know it was always if there was padding on it fine um, you would just wear normal shorts as well and that was it you just mm -hmm. got on with it and well Yule Sport was certainly trying to make the move to padding well I mean there's also I mean there's, there is a couple of some of the tops are, are classic looking ones, yeah, like, but there's a couple is, there that are really... Yeah, this is also the era where goalkeeping tops started getting mental. Mm. I mean, there's quite <laughs> sort of psychedelic oh. stripes. Yeah, and I think I think the goalkeeper tops probably... No, even stripes, that's kind of flames. They, they preceded the, the, the madness in the, the football tops, didn't they? So mm. I think that they were first, and, and maybe it was because the likes of, you know, smaller businesses, smaller companies like Ullsport were doing it and just sort of thought they'd be a wee bit flamboyant. Mm. Um, but I've, I've had a, a couple of flamboyant ones in my own, my own past as well including a, a pink Campos one that I used to play in the East Fife Saturday League with a full pink kit on Campos. so I don't know if, well, I know what I was thinking but god damn <laughs> what others must have been thinking <laughs> actually what we were saying I, I, I did actually do the Higita Scorpion kick in a game as well I get in East Fife um, the boy just came I, I wasn't quite as balletic as him <laughs> but um, I got away with it um, Patrick Boots so Patrick had a uh, name in, in football boots and football gear generally I think um, there's I mean these boots are mostly black but there's a sort of a tricolour on it that I think is trying to be Italian but it the colours, maybe it's just the print, but the, it sort of looks green, yellow, um, mauve or something. 
I don't know why I went for Mauve there. Um, I probably couldn't point Mauve in a chart, but um, you know, it's like I think it's trying to be Italian, but it's mm-hmm. it's not quite there. Mm-hmm. Um, but m- my thing here is that it's still predominantly black, but they're starting to bring in these quite mm-hmm. strong colours, oh, yeah. and mm-hmm. as we know nowadays, it, it's it's the reverse of this, isn't it? Maybe you've got a wee bit of black and everything else, just bright things. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, so it says Patrick, nothing is greater than less. That doesn't make any sense to me. At all. Nothing is greater than less. <laughs> Anybody want to explain that? Try to work it out. I know. Nothing is greater than less. I'd rather have less <laughs> something than none of it. <laughs> Any thoughts? No, I'm, I'm stumped. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming, I mean, it's a greater than sign, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Unless it's just a, a separator. Aye. Nothing is greater than less. Right, OK, I don't think we've <laughs> solved that problem. I thought maybe by repeating a few times that we would get there. I so. all of these wee bits. Do you like them? I would have, I'd have, I'd have liked to pair them. That's a sign of your My first bits were like, uh, they were black, they were the ones that Roy Keane had, the black with the yellow Diodora sign on them. Diodora, right. Put my charity show for belters. Was this football boots? Aye, football boots. But were they moldies or were they studs? Metal studs. Metal studs? Aye. Bit of damage for them. Oh, I feel. (laughs) Damages in money or damages in in opposition players? Aye. (laughs) So, the next page, uh, I've got a big, it's a bad boy Fergie gets a hearts transplant. So, this is about Derek Ferguson on his move to to hearts. it's, you know, he's moved to Hearts, but he's sliding on his knees in his Rangers strip, so obviously they couldn't get him in a Hearts strip for this <laughs> for this one. So he's, he's he's been quite the wanderer, his Derek Ferguson in his career. Started off at Rangers back in 83. Uh, he had 111 league appearances. Then he moved to Dundee on loan after a fallout with Graham Souness. Uh, moved to Hearts in 1990, where he was there for three years. 103 league appearances, not too bad. Uh, after that, went to Sunderland, then Falkirk, then Dunfermline, Portadown, Partick Thistle, Adelaide Force, Ross County. He had a couple of years at the Bankies, yeah. um, then Allo Athletic, Hamilton Ackies, and Wraith Rovers. So, I mean, that's quite the journey. Um, he's capped at under 21 level, Scotland B, and he's also had two full caps for Scotland. Um, he was player manager for a period at Clyde Bank. Managed at Stranraer and finally managed at Glen Afton Athletic, so he's he's been about. Um, he did have a, t- a tough relationship with Rangers, as we say, um, with Sunis, and he also had a recurring injury of a, a shoulder dislocation, I think it was, as well, which you know further caused problems. Mm-hmm. Um, but this this article is about his move to Hearts. Um, the fact that he was capped at 21 for Scotland against Colombia and Malta mm-hmm. and he was singled out by Sunis as the man to take his place in the Rangers team but Sunis eventually lost patience with him and he was loaned to Dundee before moving to Hearts um, he's a you know we'll touch on this he appeared in court for breach of the peace but he was also once given a two week suspension at Rangers after failing to appear for training so uh, you know I think he's famously had a bit of a bad boy reputation in the past but I'm sure if you asked him if you asked him he'd say no I'm matured now and you know that's all past me and so um, those were his only caps for Scotland just at that 
Yeah, two two caps Same. for Scotland. He had five under twenty one caps and one Scotland B. Um, so not not a great deal. Um, I, th- I think at the time there was, you know, it wasn't as if we were struggling for talent. Um, round about, you know, eighty eight, um, two thousand. I think we still had a, a fairly decent team then. Eighty eight, ninety. Yeah, um, he had a chance to move to Nottingham Forest, but he was apparently a, ho- a homeboy, so he wanted to stay in Scotland. Um, I think he was generally considered a success at Hearts as well. So, you know, I think it worked out well for him moving away. Um, he probably had to get away uh, just to, you know, I think if he'd stayed at Rangers, it maybe have destroyed him at the time um, as a footballer. So I think he did well to get away. Um, but, you know, even though he moved around a bit, you know, he, he was always playing wherever he went because quite often you see yeah. players who go from team to team and, and maybe don't get appearances, but um, he always seemed to be playing mm-hmm. and, you know, pop up with a goal every now and then. Mm-hmm. So, Chris, talking about careers, mm-hmm. so you're just turned 28, mm-hmm. right? So if you were a professional footballer, you would be either getting your agent to negotiate you a four-year deal mm-hmm. or you'd be looking for your last big money move. Right. So if you were a professional footballer, mm-hmm. what would your ideal career trajectory have been? That's a good question. That's a good question. Yeah. I'd like to say I would be like, start off at Celtic and stay there. So, so Paul McStay, basically. Paul McStay, but Throw your boots in the, the jungle. Aye. But I don't imagine I would be like that. Yeah, I'd like to think <laughs> I would be like that. But You'd have been chasing a bit of coin. I think so. Place. I think so. Oh, I think, at the first I, stiff, I think so. <laughs> and then I don't know. I love the idea. I see these kind of journeymen football players, and I mean, like guys like um, so like recently like Darren O'Day. So he's played in like Ukraine. Yeah, he's played in no, India. He's, he's got a terrific like, career I, I just because I get held up at gunpoint. I, 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 I think that's fascinating. I think that's the way to do it. I would, I would be a journeyman. Aye. I'd be yeah, an absolute yeah. mercenary. So, I, so <laughs> I think you get that just with jobs. I mean, I've I've been twenty one years with the same company, mm-hmm. right? And um, I sort of sometimes look at people who just move from job to job to job to job, and I envy them a little bit at times, mm-hmm. you know, because they're just it's like ah, this, I'm fed up with this now. Move on, mm-hmm. fed up with, this. and it's a bit like that. I guess it's just whatever your mentality is. Mm-hmm. Um, so Aye. I'm I'm st- stay with the one, Aye. stick with it. <laughs> through thick and thin yeah. Aye. Oh, I'm, I'd take another 21 years with the same company I want to see you see you in retirement yeah rock and roll yeah. baby <laughs> right so next there's another it's an advert Born Sports so here we go it's a big it's a colourful page football boots mm-hmm. football gear there's a Italy strip home away a tracksuit um, there's Puma boots Nike, no, no, it's just Puma. This one, isn't it? So there's Puma there. Mm-hmm. Um, a Diodora. Mm-hmm. Did you see yeah, any of your Diodora boots in there? I think, no, I mean, one as exciting as the ones. Yeah, oh. they, they are pretty <laughs> exciting. I'll give you. <laughs> so I think Bone Sports, I think, were are quite a regular. Um, around about the time, uh, quite a regular um, feature in terms of advertising. They would sometimes have a, a pullout as well, so you could get maybe six or eight or even ten pages as a catalogue that you would get in as well. I mean, that was just manna from heaven for, for wee boys at the time um, to get all this and just say, oh, I'd love to, if I could afford this, but I can't, so but let's, let's just pretend I can. So I think when people see this, it, it's just as nostalgic looking at the adverts like this oh, than yeah, it is yeah. the football game, you know, the, the football-specific uh, articles. Um, we've got page 15, competition, win £1,000 of Empire computer software. Now, I'm, I'm trying to visualise what 
1990, a £1,000 worth of computer software would look like. Um, <laughs> now, I'm thinking, if we looked at it now, maybe 40, 50 quid, um, 40 quid, say, for, for, a, for a game, so... It's not going to be 40 quid, say 10, 15 quid. And I think that that's maybe about 100 games. Mm-hmm. And okay, at first I'm thinking, but well, I could never visualise that. I could visualise 100 games pretty easily, I think, mm-hmm. you know. I think we've all got an imagination enough. That, I mean, you obviously have your, your book, writing your books. If you can't imagine 100 games, you shouldn't be <laughs> in your book writing game. Um, but reading this, it appears you have to first purchase... The Empire Compilation Pack World Cup 90, which contains a bunch of games, and you also get a wall chart with it. The pack contains an entry form that you then fill in answers from six questions from this shoot magazine, and then you have to get another shoot magazine with six questions Mm -hmm. and fill those in and then send them away. So basically, to win a thousand pounds worth, you have to buy their games, their compilation game first. Mm You then have to get the two shoot magazines that has the questions, answer them, send them off and hope that you win. It just, you know, it's like you think, oh, it's a competition. Where's the questions? I'll fill it in. But no, there's there's all this involved and it's it's unusual. I I can't think of many other situations where you have to buy something to get the competition form and then buy something else to get the questions Mm -hmm. and then put them together. You know, presumably that's why they can afford a thousand pound worth of games. (laughs) Just yeah. looking at the games and all, tracksuit manager. Track Sounds manager. brilliant. Um, Did you ever have that? Yeah, and then, then Gary Lineker's hot shot. Mm-hmm. Um, kick off, kick off was you know an absolute classic. Gary Lineker's hot right. shot. You can download and play. Have you, you done that? Oh, yeah, yeah, well, no, but you, <laughs> world of spectrum.org. Yeah, you can, you can download a version of it. Wow. I've, I've done the whole uh, spectrum emulator thing. It's <laughs> absolutely fantastic. Um, are, you, are you aware of the world of the spectrums in terms oh, of... I'm not, no. no. I had an Atari when I was younger. Had, ST? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It was just a basic Atari. I, I, bet, you, I bet you it was a games console. Was it a computer or was it a I was console? actually proper, man. Eh? My granddad yeah. got it for a car boot sale. Yeah. Right. We had a couple of games for it. It was, uh, what was it called? One, it was like, like missile controller or something. You're trying to shoot things at the sky. Probably we, called missile controller. Aye, aye. <laughs> to be honest, I, I wasn't a big. Certainly, we had an Atari ST, but mm. I wasn't like the Atari console that right, never right, really right. had that. So it's um, called Gary Lineker's Hot Shop. Was also a weekly football magazine. Is that right? Have you came across any? Yeah. Of that, yeah. You should have a have a wee, have a wee look. Of, what, in this period? Yeah. The nineties. Yeah. During okay. about that period, yeah, they've actually got some. Yeah, because what I need is more ideas for magazines to add to my collection. Yeah, I'm surprised you know. Came across it. Let's just take a wee note on it. Nah, I won't bother with that. Thank you very much. I bet it's going to be rubbish. Uh, See, if I get one and it's rubbish, I'm blaming you. Looks alright. You can see a couple online. Alright, I'll do that. It's cheaper. Um, We're on to another advert. Sports Shoes Unlimited. Now, there's a wee bit of... This connects with me a wee bit. Um, So, I've lived down in 21 years, lived down... 20 years lived down in Yorkshire. Started off in Bradford now. Sports Shoes Unlimited, again, were one of these big magazine advertisers and they were actually based in Bradford City Centre. And um, I went in a number of times to get various things, including, a, you know, goalie stuff. But I never realised at that time the connection with this. So I think it closed down maybe five, ten years ago. Um, but, you know, it was... It says something like 20,000 pairs in stock. Um, I mean, it was a huge place. Um one of the things, one of the things I've noticed about football boots from back, 
then, so in the 90s, even before then. So the likes of your classic Puma, um, Puma King, your Adidas World Cup, your Adidas, you know, the, the Mundials, they were they were all around about 60, 70, 80 pounds back then. And that's the sort of price they are these days oh, as well. Really. So, you know, that obviously means in real terms they've come down, you know, they're mm. a lot cheaper now than they, they would have been back then. That sort of money then was a hell of a lot of money, so... It's just one of these, it's a strange thing that it's, you know, around about the same price rather than being up or down a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so from, from here, we move on to this, the um, complete story of the 14th World Cup final. So this is a special um, section which goes through each of the, the World Cup group games and the semi-finals and all that. Um, starts off Group A. Uh, which contains Italy, Czechoslovakia, Austria and the USA. Um, now, it gives a wee summary of the games and overview. And I think everything's going fine until the, the shoot magazine, whoever's writing it, says about the USA. They confirmed most people's views they should stick to baseball. <laughs> which, you know, it's 1990. I mean, it's a bit patronising for the USA. The USA have been about for a while. I mean, I think generally... People are very, or not so much these days, but for a long time, people were patronising about football in the US, whether it be the, the National League or, uh, you know, the major soccer league, things like that. They were, but I mean, if we think as far back as 1950, the US beat England in a World Cup. Yeah. So, you know, they ain't no mugs, as somebody's probably once said. Um, Italy and Czechoslovakia went through and Austria and USA went home, and it turns out the USA finished at the bottom, so they probably should just stick to baseball. Um, group B, Cameroon beat Argentina 1-0 in the opening game, which was a sensational result, and they then went on to beat Romania 2-1. Yeah, and like you were saying earlier, Chris, th- th- this was a game that that's had a lot of mad mm-hmm. tackling. I mean, there's, there's, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a great sending off. Is this a Canadian? Yeah, I think I'm. I'm just playing it on on uh, on YouTube here. We see, they try to half him on the halfway. Like then here he goes to run there. He's gone. <laughs> and then <Oof>. he just <laughs> clatters him. <laughs> and it, so much so he's, he's even taking his own boot off. Yeah. Wow. You know, uh, Cameroon actually had two players sent off in the, this game. Yeah. Um, so you know, beating Argentina one they opened them game of the World Cup mm-hmm. uh, for them uh, was was quite a quite a feat. Um, yeah, it was a big shock. It was a big shock at the time. Mm-hmm. Well, I th- you know, I think as we'll as we'll see here, Cameroon turned out to have a, a really good tournament. So, you know, it was a sign of things to come. Uh, group C, uh, here we come to Scotland's group, and uh, we come against Costa Rica. Um, an early second half goal from Collazo, uh, being the difference between the two teams. But then there was some inspired goalkeeping from Conejo. In the Costa Rican net, um, I will obviously take, um, you know, direction if my pronunciation of these things are, are off. Um, so Scotland basically got beat with Costa Rica one 0 in Genoa in front of thirty thousand fans. Welcome to the World Cup. Welcome to being Scottish. Um, next up was Sweden again in Genoa and goals from Stuart McCall and a Mo Johnson penalty before it was a late Swedish consolation goal. So at this point, it was still two points for a, a win back game back then, so that was our first two points, but it gives us a bit of hope as well. Um, but that hope was tempered by the fact that our next game was against, who else but Brazil? 
so I'm in Turin in front of 62,000 fans and all we needed was a draw to progress. We've heard this story before. Scotland looked to have done enough. Went in the last 10 minutes, nil-nil. And then Jim Leighton fumbles a shot and Muller pops in to score. It was their turn to be sent homewards and think again, I think. But so once again, it was a disappointing World Cup for Scotland. Um, but, you know, I've said this many times, what would we give to have those sort of disappointments again? Yeah, no, just looking at the teams, because obviously Costa Rica, we started to be Alan McAnally up front, which I, I seem to recall was a bit of a surprise at the time. Uh, and then in the game against Sweden, Robert Fleck starts ahead of Ali McCoist. Mm-hmm. Uh, just on the, the McAnally thing, I remember hearing a story with Ali McCoist, um, and it was Andy, Andy Roxburgh was the manager at the time, yeah. was it? And he, he said, right, Mo and Ali are playing. So Ali McCoist thinks, oh, Mo Johnson and me playing, that's brilliant. But Alan McAnally's nickname was Nally. So it's Mo and Nally <laughs> we're playing. So here's a wee funny for Ali. <laughs> And uh, in the last game, McCoist and ahead of Fleck. So Brazil won all the three games. Costa Rica also beat Sweden, but lost 1-0 to Brazil. Scotland finished second bottom, and Sweden didn't win anything. So there we go, disappointment. Group D contained West Germany, Yugoslavia, Colombia, and United Arab Emirates. Um, now, United Arab Emirates finished bottom, they had no wins. However... They scored as many goals as Scotland did, but they also conceded 11, so I guess we could take some solace that we never conceded 11. West Germany powered past Yugoslavia 4-1 in the first game, basically giving a taste of what was to come. Um, they then beat the UAE 5-1 and drew with Colombia, but I think they'd sort of, they probably um, already got through by that point, so they, they brought in a few of the, you know, the squad players. Um, Group E, Spain, Belgium, Uruguay and South Korea. Uh, Belgium starting well with wins over South Korea and Uruguay before being beaten by Spain, who, despite starting slowly, they, Spain actually finished on top. Group F, this was a, a you know a pretty good group. England, Republic of Ireland, Holland and Egypt. Um, so we'll, I'm going to try and refer to Holland as Netherlands from now on because, okay. you know, it is Netherlands. Um, so... I do apologise if you're one of these people who think who screams at the radio or screams at the computer whenever they say, it's Netherlands! <laughs> right, so I apologise in advance, but I'll try my best. Um, now, here's quite a quite a strong statement from Shoot Magazine when they say, this is a quote, England kicked off the World Cup campaign with one of the worst games ever witnessed in the competition. <laughs> That's a bit strong. Um, they certainly weren't holding back. Um, it was a 1-1 draw with the Republic, uh, followed by a 0-0 draw against the Netherlands. And then it, they only managed a 1-0 win over Egypt, um, which actually took them through as group winners, but it was in a group devoid of goals. I uh, think that, that game, that 0-0 draw with the Netherlands, was, was really the one that Gascoigne sort of really stood out and really started to appear to be sort of England's sort of match winner, even though they drew. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that day, but I think that was one of his real star performances. Yeah. So Republic Ireland went through in second place uh, with a lottery to give them the, the spot. The Dutch also finished second, also progressed. Um, so in that group, there was seven goals in six games, which, you know, isn't really entertainment. Second round, Cameroon 
beat Colombia. Czechoslovakia beat Costa Rica. Argentina beat Brazil. West Germany beat the Netherlands. Republic Ireland drew with Romania, but then went through five foreign penalties. Italy beat Uruguay. Yugoslavia beat Spain. And then Belgium were beaten 1-0 by England. Um, England with the, sorry, the Argentina game. So that was a, a winner against Brazil. 1-0 by, it was a goal scored by Canidia. Um, the future Dundee. Future Dundee, Rangers. Yeah, the, you know, the, it maybe thought 1990 was the pinnacle of his career. But, you know, he'd never even considered that he was going to end up at Dens Park so you know I mean who who can even dream of those sort of things who can dream of that well who could yeah. who could dream of a player of that class coming to Scotland oh you're taking the other way here <laughs> but, okay I mean it was a big surprise at the time yeah yeah mm-hmm. uh, Certainly, they went to Dundee, and then I think it was a bit of a surprise they went to Rangers. Well, I mean, as well. D- Dundee had a few of that at the time, sort of Ravenelli and things as well, and it was. Mm. So yeah, but he, he was a success, so Canisia. Mm. <clears throat> it wasn't just an expensive yeah. mistake. <laughs> so we'll talk. Just we talk about the West Germany Netherlands game. So this was marred by the sendings off of Frank Rijkaard and Rudy Fowler. I don't know if you're aware of this, Chris, in this game, but um, Rijkaard was caught on camera spitting on Rudy Voller and you know I, I think for, for a lot of people including myself I think that's when he, he lost a lot of supporters and a lot of friends mm-hmm. you know because spitting's it's just one of the, you know you can get away with breaking somebody's leg with a two-footed challenge in mm-hmm. football if you spitting somebody that's you my ass you've taken that too far you've taken that too far and it does seem that way which is as a str- I mean spitting's disgusting but nice. it just seems a strange thing that that's the line you know, mm-hmm. you can you can elbow somebody in the face and break their nose, but the line's Aye, crossed if you're spitting them. Aye. But that's what happened there. It was it, it wasn't. There was a lot of play acting. I think there was a lot of play acting going on in these. Mm-hmm. Um, you shown the incident here, yeah. mm-hmm. but there was there was a lot of play acting going on as well. A lot of diving, um, histrionics as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and his mullet says he's sort of showing the referee the, the spittle and his and his mullet. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It's not a laughing matter, okay? Right, this isn't funny. It's a wee bit. Um, so, Italy were comfortable against Uruguay. Toto Scalacci inevitably scoring. Two Roger Miller goals um, saw off Colombia, followed by his trademark hip celebrations. <laughs> Spain went out to Yugoslavia and Costa Rica were pumped by the Czechs. Um, Republic Ireland went to penalties, as we say. With Paddy Bonner saving a vital spot kick and David O'Leary slotting home the deciding penalty. So I, me- I remember those scenes really well. Um, it was a great time for the Republic. Belgium were disposed of by England. David Platt scored in the very last minute of extra time. I, th- I believe the latest ever goal in a, in a World Cup right? match, well, apparently. Because mm-hmm. it was right at the death of extra time. Yeah, so Eng- England went through the quarterfinals from there. So the quarterfinals saw Argentina, Yugoslavia, Republic Ireland, Italy, Czechoslovakia, West Germany, Cameroon and England. Um, Argentina, Yugoslavia, 0-0. Argentina won 3-2 in penalties. Um, Yugoslavia were down to 10 men, but were outplayed. they outplayed Argentina, even with Maradona missing one of the penalty kicks. Keeper Goy Cochia was the hero as Argentina went through. So it went, you know, 0-0. Yugoslavia down to 10 men, but Argentina managed to, you know, clang on against 10 men and get through 3-2. Republic Ireland went out against Italy, 1-0. Czechoslovakia went out against West Germany, 1-0. And Cameroon were beaten 3-2 by England. 
um, the Cameroon game. So took a, England took the lead from David Platt in the first half, but um, two quick goals in the second half uh, took Cameroon ahead, and England equalised with a late penalty before a second penalty in extra time. I believe again. England hadn't had a penalty kick in two years oh. at that time, and they get two that night. Mm. I think they were both penalties. So. Do you think so? Yeah. yeah. If you check this, <laughs> now I'm sure they were penalties. I'm sure they they went through, and there was there was no reason for us to feel aggrieved. Um, so England progressed to the semi final of the World Cup, um, where the Scottish nation held its breath and prayed and hoped and prayed again, obviously for the right outcome. Semi-finals, Argentina took on Italy, 1-1, again it went to penalties, Argentina again won in penalties, 4-3. England, West Germany, well, let's, let's take a wee look at this one. So, um, West Germany took the lead, the result of a deflected Andreas Bremer free kick um, before Lineker popped up um, not long ago um, and took the game to extra time and then finished at 1-1, went to penalties, but before, before it went to penalties, so during the extra time, this is where Gaza picked up a second book in the tournament, which meant that he would miss the final if England progressed. As we've all seen, and as we all know, Gaza was brought to tears and he was inconsolable, the image of which probably the the lasting, one of the lasting memories of the tournament, certainly for myself. Um, so it went to penalties. Stuart Pearce and Chris Waddle both missed theirs. And leaving England with a, an ongoing mental issue with penalties over the years that they've, they've don't think they've ever really got over. Mm -hmm. um, so West Germany went through. For, for me, though, that was one of the most exciting games I've ever, I've ever watched, sort of, in, well, you know, in, in the house kind of thing. Uh, it was genuinely end-to-end -end gripping mm. game. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, you're, sometimes, I mean, 1-1, one, one, extra time penalties doesn't always tell the story, does it? I mean, the result's very real. Unless it's something like 10-0, then the results don't really tell the story a lot of the times. So, yeah, you're right. Um, England England did fantastic to get to the semi-finals. I mean, you know, I genuinely thought at the time they could... They, I think it was a combination of both. England seemed to be in that zone and that spirit and that frame of mind. And I don't think... There was anybody, any other team setting, setting the heather alight. I don't think there was any other team that says we are the ones. Even West Germany, I don't think they were saying we're here to win this. So I, I think England had a realistic opportunity. If they got through, you know, there was absolutely no reason why they they couldn't have won that World Cup, which would have meant that my last twenty years in England probably wouldn't have happened. Mm. So yeah. I, I couldn't have. I couldn't have. Um, England. Were beaten 2-1 by Italy in the third place playoff and so we got to World Cup final Argentina West Germany on paper you think okay this this should be an absolute classic but because they, um, they played in 86 and it was actually quite a good game 3-2 mm -hmm. well I mean it's two, two, two of the you know two of the world's best teams and you think World Cup final go and entertain us go and you know showcase the event but I think it was remembered mostly for diving, play acting. Um, the the Mexican referee lost control, sent two players off um, for Argentina in the second half. And it, was, it turned out actually that was the first time ever that um, someone was sent off in a World Cup final. 
So well done, well done for that. That's that's a nice wee record to get there. Um, there there's a wee comment from Shoot, which just sort of brings back. Maybe it's a wee um, throwback to 1986 with Maradona, and they're going on Maradona whinging to the end. <laughs> so you know, I think I, I just don't think they've got over that handball yet. West Germany were the better team, but they were you know there's a lot of play acting. I think this was probably the year the the Klinsmann dive did come in into the game, wasn't it? Um, but it was decided by a, a Bremer penalty. Um, it says, after another overly dramatic tumble by Rudy Vola. So there we go. Um, now, Matis, I think, who's the captain, and he says, well, I'm going to let Bremer take it because I've got new boots on and they're a bit sore, so I'm not going to take a chance. So there you are in a World Cup final with a chance to, mm-hmm. um, you know, put your name on it, go up and take the... And I, th- I think, you know, you could look at it two ways, but I'm going to look at it the way that that's, that's a captain there mm-hmm. saying, you know, the team comes before my own personal success and recognition, so I'm going to let somebody else take it because my feet are hurting a wee bit with my new boots. <laughs> so, yeah. well done to that. Not a classic final. In general, I don't think a classic World Cup. You know, Eng- no. England apart, maybe Cameroon um, provided a lot of entertainment, but I don't think it was a... It was it was quite a low scoring tournament, so we've got some stats here. There's 52 games played and 115 goals, which isn't, you know, isn't a lot of goals. 176 players booked. There was 16 players sent off. The most goals were by West Germany, 15. So, you know, it's to get there and win it and score 15 goals. What four or five of them were against the UAE. So. You know, it's not great. Most booked, Argentina, 25. Most sent off, Argentina, three. And the top scorer was Toto Scalacci of Italy with six. So, you know, th- there's a lot to take away from that. I mean, the, the strips for a start, I mean, that's a classic West Germany strip there with the, the sort of um, flash yeah. sort of thing as well. I mean, there's, there's just, the strips are, you know, just a great snapshot in time of, um, you know, where things were and how good things could actually look. But the World Cup itself, I don't, you know, I think if, if we're being perfectly honest with hindsight, and maybe even at the time, I don't think people were thinking, this is a great World Cup. Well, <laughs> All right. Yeah. There is a, there's a really good book about, uh, about that World Cup by Simon Hart called World in Motion. Uh, where he, he goes, goes through it, it's a country by country, and he speaks to the different people who are, who were, who were involved, players and stuff like yeah. that, and it looks at the sort of journey that they had to get the World Cups. It's a really good, really interesting well, book. Yeah. But yes, yeah, but like you say, Scotland were well, Scotland were in it, so it was it, it's, it's one of those you sort of anticipation that you don't really get anymore. Kind of thing. I think it's World Cups. It's anticipation is 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 part of it, and then this is a deflation when you actually well, watch I some mean, of the back, games. Back then, Scotland Scotland were qualifying for for most World Cups. I mean, what, 74, 78, 82, 86, 90. We missed 94. Yeah. And, and that was 98. a big shock at the time. I don't know, mm-hmm. a big shock, a big disappointment mm-hmm. that we'd actually missed a World Cup. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, it, you know, and, and the thing is as well, it's, it's just getting there. Even mm-hmm. though at the time, as soon as the, as soon as the thing starts, you think, right, OK, let's let's do something. Let's, uh, and then there's a disappointment. But I, I just love... I'd obviously love just to get there again, mm-hmm. but you know th- that's what's missing from it. Just once more before I die. That's all I'm asking. Yeah. Um, page thirty-three. This is a, a big advert. Who would? Wouldn't you rather be phoning? So this is 
No, uh, does this not just scream scam? This whole page just screams scam. It all screams <laughs> premium phone lines. I mean, basically, do you know for a fact there's the same equivalent in one of the top shelf magazines? So on the same style. If we just explain what the what the the adverts are for, mm-hmm. so the phone in games. There's a phone in game called Penalty, <laughs> which uh, your chance to experience a penalty shootout with your favourite teams and rivals. So I don't know. I, I guess you phone in. And they, There's other people maybe on yeah, the I don't know, and they tell you if you've scored or if you've missed. <laughs> uh, set-piece hero. If there's a free kick corner or throw-in to be taken, the set-piece hero steps up. Have you got what it takes to step into his shoes when the hero gets injured? So, so the throw-ins. <laughs> throw-ins. Throw-in to be taken. I can understand taking, a, you know, even the corners pushing it a bit. Free kick, yeah. I, I, I'm phoning up and I'm, I'm paying a lot of money for this. I want to take a free kick. No, mate, you're on the throw-ins. <laughs> I mean, what... what how can it work from a throw-in? You take a throw-in and either you do a full throw or you throw it in. <laughs> I'm I'd... fascinated by this. This is the most surreal thing I've ever seen. <laughs> this, is, this is amazing. I want to phone it right now and <laughs> see what the script is. <laughs> so oh, like, eight, nine, eight. Go for it. Aye. <laughs> um, I mean, I get it, but you phone in your penalty. You, go, uh, you, you take your penalty, you have missed. You, uh, you have scored. And then, you know. But I, but I don't get set-piece <laughs> Tiro. I don't know what... Um, happens there there's, there's also the transfer game it says mm. buy and sell players if you win and make money you'll be hired so at this point you're not even ha- you're not even the manager <laughs> it's like hold on I'm paying this money I want to at least be the manager <laughs> so no no you've no earned that it's just 38 pence a minute Jesus aye uh, yeah well 25 at cheap rate oh, cheap rate yeah cheap rate. <laughs> 38 pence a minute I mean and what did we say it's 50 pence for this magazine so two minutes and you're already spent more money than it costs for this magazine. Yeah. Scam, as you say. But fascinating. Scam. I mean, if, if anybody listening has phoned in, to, we, we would be intrigued to know what. Yeah. Please phone in, in on this. Phone in uh, to on shoot the premium. breeze on this premium number, and we'll <laughs> absolutely rip you for all your money again. Um, next advert. Join the Adidas Elite. Your best chance of catching up with Daley Thompson. So, I don't know if you remember D- Daley Thompson, Chris, but Daley Thompson was basically the pinnacle of fitness. Right. Daley Thompson was kind of everything you wanted to be as, mm-hmm. a, as a fit guy. Mm-hmm. Daley Thompson, here's a wee fact for you. His full name is Francis Morgan Ayodele Thompson. So the, I'm guessing the Daley comes from the Ayodele part. So mm-hmm. Francis Morgan Ayodele Thompson. CB, there you go, there's a plus. <laughs> did you know that his mum was from Dundee? I did not know that. His well, mum was from Dundee well. as well. His dad is a Nigerian UK mm-hmm. um, Commonwealth, he won three Commonwealth titles. Um, he won gold at the 1980 and 84 Olympic Games and broke the world record for the event in four separate times. Um, and he's basically considered one of the greatest decathletes of all time mm-hmm. and he's obviously associated with the Daily Thompson's decathlon computer games which rubbed out your MNN keys on the ZX Spectrum so <laughs> it used to be that you would batter on these keys to, to get your speed up right. and, and jump but it was also the same keys <laughs> and you would end up you'd have your keyboard so this is a Spectrum it's rubber keys and you'd have your keyboard with all the letters and M and N were rubbed out because <laughs> yeah. you'd battered it so much on this. Well, um, did you have a technique? Did you develop a, any particular well, technique for i I've I've got I've got two techniques. So being a, a bit, <laughs> bit <laughs> a bit musical um on the keyboard, I could sort of do a wee trill thing on it as well, mm-hmm. which which, you know, until I tire 
and then I, I start slowing down like that. But it's either, you know, just gone for it or a wee chill thing like that. Um, that's my two techniques. Um, so he wanted to be a footballer, but then switched to athletics. Um, but he did play for Mansfield Town and Stevenage in the 90s um, before working for a fitness co- as a fitness coach at Wimbledon and Luton. Um, he did some rally driving and entered the Ford Credit Fiesta Challenge Championship in 94. And he won this BB Sports, per- BB Sports Personality Award back when it was actually, you know, about having a personality. Back in 1982, re- received an MBE in ni- eight, ni- 1983 and a CBE in 2000. Um, so everything's sounding great. I mean, Daley Thompson sounds absolutely brilliant. In August 2014, he was one of 200 public figures that were signatories to a letter sent to the Guardian newspaper expressing hope that Scotland would remain part of the UK. Wow. Uh, isn't that nice? Um, so the advert itself is about joining this group, this, um, it's joining the Adidas elite so you can get close to your favourite stars and it goes on to mention Steffi Graf, Mark Hughes, Steve Cram, they're all members of it. Mm-hmm. And it's £5.75 plus 75 pence postage. And you get a personal membership card, a bumper gift pack, including a T-shirt, an action-packed poster, which could be anything, um, <laughs> a star chart for collecting your free per- sports personality cards. Now, that that sort of worries me a wee bit because that sounds a wee <laughs> bit astrological. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> and as soon as I hear anything like that, I'm just switch off, glaze <laughs> over. You know, just don't even pretend to be interested. You get a free, it says it's a free newsletter three times a year, but you're paying five seventy five for it. So, you know, you'll get a newsletter three times a year. Why not just say that? Containing sports headlines, information, top tips and competitions. So, Daley Thompson was, he was a, a huge personality at the time. He was, you know, the great athlete. He was, you know, a good, great personality. He was on the TV. He was you know, in the press, doing this, that, the other thing. But he did write that letter, or sign that letter. So, you know, all that on one side, good. <laughs> Bad on the other side. For, you know, depending on your, your frame of ref, your frame of view there. Um, so the next one, shoot. So the, the, over two pages we have, it's called The Hoot Soccer School. Now, it's, it's cleverly dropped the S from shoot to make the word hoot. And it sort of suggests that Hey kids, we're going to have this hilarious couple of pages here where we, <laughs> we you know, we make you laugh, we make you cry with laughter. Strap um, ourselves in, boys. But you know, more often than not, these things aren't quite as funny as, as you, as you. So, it purports to provide a ten-day soccer school and goes through each of these days separately. So let's have a look. So the first day is goalkeeping. So they couldn't get Peter Shelton, but they've got Desmond Thrib. Yeah, I have no idea <laughs> what that means. Desmond Thrib. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's a play on words, if there was a, somebody called Desmond Thrib. Yeah, anybody help with that? Who was Desmond Thrib? <laughs> so day two is about football skills. So this is the first bit that I think I can recognise as a wee bit of comedy coming in from them. They say, we tend not to concentrate on them too much. Right, okay, fair enough. That's moderately amusing, but, you yeah. know. Um, day three, contracts. The mo- most important lesson for the modern football footballer. Top solicitors, Gibbon, Gibbon, Bun and Gibbon to advise how to squeeze the last drop of money from a club. Yeah, uh, you know, I, can, I don't really see the humour. Um, there we go. Day four, choosing an agent. 
the Reverend Barnaby Basin will advise. At this point, I'm thinking they like their alliterations, don't they? They like their alliterations. Day five, learning languages, teachings in French, Italian, Spanish and Albanian. There's still no smile has crossed my face yet. Day six, the perfect penalty shootout. Ah, they're still hurting from the World Cup 1990. So, Sergeant Gunter Gimler teaches you how to cope with penalties. So, obviously, the guy who's teaching you penalties is a German. And his name is Gunter because that's what Germans are called. And Gunter Gimler because that's what other Germans are called. So, there we go. Rolling around a, a lot is on day seven. So, they've got Tom Crude. Teaching you how to dive, <laughs> Tom Crude. You get it? Beautiful. Tom Cruise. Tom, you get it? I don't. No, oh, right, okay. Uh, sorry, we'll move on. Right, okay. <laughs> so day eight is dealing with the press. Karate with one low blow. Right, I mean, that's the opposite of funny. That's that's taking fun out of me rather than giving me fun. One low blow, it's, you know, okay. Day nine, be a manager. Thicken your skin as you're shown how to deal with German and other problems. Okay, that's just as funny as everything else. Day 10, golf. A lesson from Nat Faldo. So all they're, all they're doing really is just changing names slightly. Tom Crude, Nat Faldo. And expecting us to laugh at that. It's just lazy. Um, the timetable, the day starts at 4 in the morning and finishes at 3 in the morning. <laughs> it costs 14,357 quid. Right, okay. Send your checks to P.O. Box 12, Sellafield. <laughs> um, or phone and ask for Belinda Carlisle United. Right, okay. Belinda so Carlisle being a popular pop star of the day. Right, okay. I, I can't believe we're even going to try and explain that. It's just <laughs> absolute. So basically, as I suspected, did you find anything humorous in any of that? No. Did you? No. No, anything? No. I mean, no. they promised us a hoot. And they gave us a, huh? <laughs> so nothing from there. Page 39. Now I've done, I've done a wee bit of... Um, so wee sorry, bit of sorry, I'll be skipping over shoots of uh, World Cup shortlist. Go for it. Sort of well, just a couple of wee things that are irreverent sum up of the, of the World Cup. Um, ten terrible haircuts, and they mentioned Chris Waddle twice. <laughs> <laughs> Before the semi-final and <laughs> after, so uh, again, so Chris Waddle had that classic mullet, right. but for some reason on the semi-final he had it shaved right off. Wow! So he had it, right. he had it shaved, shaved off, and it looked what a bad haircut. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Wait, was it was it Ronaldo bad? You know, no, no, it wasn't. You knew there was something going on there. Yeah, with that bit of hair at the front. Aye. Aye. Uh, and, and an interesting wee thing that they say, 10 things we won't miss for the next four years, and one of them is the sun's racist headlines. I just thought that was a, that was uh, interesting to note. Mm. Mm. Was uh, Rodi Voller's hair mentioned in it? Well, there is a wee picture of him there, so yeah, I think yeah. he has, he has there we go. 10 terrible haircuts. Mm. Carlos Valderrama is, is number one for the 10 terrible haircuts. Mm. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're sort of anti sort of... Mullet, it, it sounds as though well. it's, it's quite a valid list. Yeah. For that, you know. Yeah. So page page thirty nine. Um, I want to go through this. Okay. So there's a there's an advert. Stadium and club tours, behind the scenes tours based in Peterborough. So this is a day trip by coach, an executively an executive luxury coach, no less. 
with refreshments, videos and toilet facilities. And it basically it's on the 31st of July. It's going to take you to Man United, Liverpool, via Peterborough, Grantham, Doncaster and Halifax. So it's taking you to a lot of a trip through all these grounds, sort of central England up to, you know, Lincolnshire, up to Lancashire and then Merseyside. So I've looked at the mileage and the times. Okay. <laughs> right. right, so Peterborough to Grantham's 43 minutes. Grantham to Doncaster is an hour and two minutes. Doncaster to Halifax is an hour and three minutes. Halifax to Manchester is 49 minutes and Manchester to Liverpool is 49 minutes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's say we start at nine o'clock in the morning and it begins at Peterborough, at, at the ground, right? Okay, so you're not getting picked up anywhere else. Mm -hmm. You're starting at the ground. So let's say we'll spend an hour in each club doing the tour and you're allowed a 15-minute toilet stop. So you're allowed to drink and, you know, eat on the bus. Okay, so Peterborough, 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock. That's where you spend the time doing the tour. And then you get the bus to Grantham, which takes 43 minutes plus a toilet stop, one hour. So you arrive at Grantham, 11 in the morning. You take the, the hour for the tour, it's noon. You then get the bus to Doncaster, which takes just over an hour plus a toilet stop, so an hour and 15. So you arrive at Doncaster, Quarter past one in the afternoon, takes you through to quarter past two. Again, you go to Halifax, you get there for half three, you have your tour, 4.30 in the afternoon, you're ready to go to Manchester. So that takes about an hour, 5.30 to 6.30, that's your Manchester tour done. Off you go to Liverpool, you can arrive there at 7.30 and you're done by 8.30. Okay, so you've started at nine in the morning, it's now half eight at night, you've done your tours. Mm -hmm. But they've obviously got to take you back to where you started, mm -hmm. right? So the trip back to Peterborough takes three hours and ten minutes. Jeez, and we're going to throw two toilet stops in the way as well. So let's right. say three hours, 40 minutes. <laughs> so you arrive back in Peterborough at ten past midnight of the next day. Wow. I hope you've brought a big cargo. <laughs> so that that's that's an entire, a big day. And that's oh. no assuming, I mean, you're not deviating from that. So you're nine o'clock in the morning through to... 10 past midnight the next oh. day, and then you've got to find your way home. <laughs> Does that sound as if that could be a really, really interesting... I mean, I'm sure it, I'm sure it was really enjoyable and stuff, but mm -hmm. that you imagine how drunk you'd be. <laughs> you wouldn't you wouldn't do that sober. At least, you might do the day sober, Aye. but that three-hour journey back, man, you get... Aye. So you've done many out, Chris, away days to games on the bus? I am. Um, well, last one I went to was... Uh, Season four last thing went up to Ross County with Celtic. Right. Um, that's probably, it's a good time. Uh, that's a good time. Wouldn't have asked for seven in the morning or something. First can has sparked <laughs> seven in the morning. It's brilliant. So it's, <laughs> it's one of the things that I miss. Because Andy and I are Clay Bank supporters. Mm -hmm. And now that we're in the juniors, the, the away days are kind of only about an hour kind of away. Aye, aye. And it is one of the things I miss from the senior days aye, is getting those mm -hmm. trips up to Breakin and Forfa mm -hmm. and just having like that mm -hmm. an away day early mm -hmm. early morning. It's good. It's really exciting, isn't it? Yeah. Like, yeah. Stopping off at Octorada for aye. chips <laughs> and the way back. Yeah. Saying that, I mean, it's... So some of the, the junior grounds in Ayrshire could be a little bit tricky to get to. I mean, there was the one, you never even bothered coming the other yeah. week because you says, oh, it's too difficult to get there. Remember that? Aye, but you, you could have made that, that one of these public, days. Public transport. You could have I mean, went in that and says, this is just like going to Breakin again. Yeah, but it's but no, not. You, you went, nah, I can't be bothered. If we but were going so. to Breakin, you'd be uh, like, nah, I can't be bothered. No, because we used to have buses. We used to have supporters' buses. 
that would that would go no mm-hmm. public transport. Aye, you have to get off and stand at a local bus stop and get eyed up by the locals. <laughs> <laughs> right, we're going to take a wee break at this point and do a wee special focus on a special guest. So in magazines, there's normally this focus on section where they ask questions and you know of a player and they give their answers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're going to ask you some questions here. Right, okay. um, so you're going you you to do it because I... Okay. Uh, full name. My full name, Chris McQueer. Christopher John Robert McQueer. There we go, full name. Place mm. of birth. Uh, Rotten Roll Hospital, Maternity Hospital. Okay. First car. First car was a 2001 Fiat Punto. Okay. Who's your favourite player? Eh. Sick of Jean, mate. Eh. Favourite current Celtic player? Uh, Odds and Edward. Okay. Mm-hmm. Are you happy, are you happy with that? Happy with him. Okay. Happy with What's your favourite team? Celtic. Okay. Mm-hmm. Your most memorable match? Uh, I think one of the first games I went to was a defeat at Celtic Park, which was quite rare. Mm-hmm. So it was, and it was against Aberdeen. I think it'd be 2 1. John Hartson scored. Okay. What's your biggest thrill? Biggest thrill? Yeah. <sighs> uh, I don't know. I lead, I lead quite a quiet life. So I do. I'm not going to lie. But um, uh, I quite enjoy the thrill occasionally, right? I'll go into. Is it like when you, when you maybe throw a wee party and think, I'll put it out there? Aye, I quite I quite like going to Mark Spencer's because they've got these self service. Sorry, machines, I don't think right? you, I don't think you heard, you heard me. Your biggest <laughs> thrill was. Aye, aye, aye. I'm yeah, getting yeah, there, mate. Okay. I'm getting there, mate. Um, they've got these self service machines, but they're a bit temperamental, and sometimes you can scan some and it doesn't go through. You can just sit by myself like a four-pound microwave dinner, scan it, doesn't work, magic, right in the bag. <laughs> <laughs> it's class. Okay. That, that gives me a wee thrill, mate. Right? Okay, that's, that's fair enough. Yeah. I, I, I didn't realise that was the rules with self-service machines. If, you you I, get one shot at it, I, and if, if, if they've not stepped up to the plate, too bad. It's it good, depends yeah. on your technique. I mean, if, if that was the rules, you could just go, ah, that didn't Aye. scan, didn't scan, <laughs> just, just sort through. So what's, what's your biggest disappointment? Biggest disappointment? When yeah. things scan, I can't wait. I pay for my dinner. <laughs> What's the best country you've visited? Uh, I've not been many places, but um, I went, uh, it's, it's in Scotland. My, fav- my, my favourite trip was out of Sky. That's so fine. Was, mm. That'll absolutely do. Favourite food? Favourite food? Uh, spaghetti bolognese. Spaghetti bolognese. Mm. Uh, miscellaneous likes. Just an example of some things you like. Some things I like. Just two or three things. Uh, I'm quite into motors. I do like motors. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I used to collect when I was a wee boy. I was still got a wee soft spot for them. It was wee um, ornamental dugs, wee valley dugs. No, okay. I was quite into them when I was a wee guy. Quite a niche thing to be into. Still got them? Still got a few, eh? Yeah, no, I've still got them, sorry. Eh, what else do I like? Eh, stealing from Mark Suspensers. Eh, okay. We're not going to get Mark Suspensers as a sponsor, are we? Yeah, we're kissing weird bands from all Mark Suspensers. So, on the likes, miscellaneous dislikes, what, what drives you up there? Up the wall. It drives me up the wall. Uh, I don't like see like kind of true crime YouTube mm-hmm. stuff. See stuff like that. That drives me mental. I don't like it. I think it's quite morbid. Right. So I do it's people analysing these serial killers and getting the victims and they're taking all this kind of glee with it. Don't I don't like it, doesn't he? Yeah. Sorry to me. Uh, I don't like when I'm driving and people don't give me the wee thank you wave. Oh. If I let them go, it just infuriates me. So it does. <laughs> um, aye. <laughs> yeah. Um favourite TV show? Favourite TV show? Uh, Probably either Black Mirror or a 
I quite like there's a new one on Netflix that living with yourself. It's great. It's got Paul Rudd in it. So he's I like a he's stimmy. I him dealing with his clone. His clone's cast right take it. Yeah, and I started watching that. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, enjoyed yeah, that. Uh, favorite singers. Favorite singers. My favorite band is Oasis. So is. Um, but my favorite singer is probably Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash, good shout. Mm-hmm. Uh, favorite actor. Favorite actor. Eh. Buffy Tom. Eh. Probably Joaquin Phoenix. Right. Have you seen the the new movie? I've seen it's, it's not my thing, mm-hmm. you know that, but I thought it was absolutely fantastic. That's brilliant, eh? What it's a correct. performance. He's amazing to us. I mean, you can sometimes get caught up in it with people saying this is a brilliant put and you think, okay, but I just sat there and it was like, you know, it's a world of Twitter and things like that and mm-hmm. very, you're never far from your mm-hmm. phone mm-hmm. and there's very few times where I just don't even think about it, don't aye even aye. check mm-hmm. on it mm-hmm. and that was one of them. I was aye just aye. glued to it and it was like, this is amazing. Is what, did what you watch it in the house or in the cinema? Um, legally, um, <laughs> in a cinema environment. I see. So, have, uh, you, just, have you seen the, the Maradona documentary? No, no I meant to go and see that. It's way to GFT. Google Maradona documentary is great. Yeah. I've not seen that one yet. I'll, I'll watch that in a cinema environment as well. No, I think it's out in DVD now. So. Who's your best friend? Who's my best pal? Uh, my dog. My wee dog, Timmy. My wee dog, hi. What's his name? Timmy. Timmy. That's course, right, aye, aye. Of course. <laughs> Biggest influence? Biggest influence? Eh, probably my, my granny. Like she's probably the biggest influence on my writing because she's just far apart. She's, <laughs> she's brilliant. She just tells me stories and her and my granddad are just going and on like all these mad tales. I think it's the biggest influence on my re- life. About the, the writing, mm-hmm. did they encourage you to do things like that or was it just something that you just started thinking? I just kind of I just, uh, just started it and it was something that my family were a bit surprised. Mm. That was them when I told them. Um, so I'd been doing it for a few months before I, I told them. I kind of came out and told them, <laughs> and um, they were like, "Oh, was it one of those?" Right, like, Mum, Dad. Aye, <laughs> we need to have a wee chat here. I was like that, and um, but uh, I when they when they read it, they were quite, they were dead dead supportive. Yeah. And um, my mum was saying to me a couple of weeks ago, she's like, "Do you know something? I never ever thought you would do anything with it. I thought it would just be a hobby." I think it's all just came out of the blue for you. Just then. all came out of the blue. Aye. It's been, it's been um, a bit of a rollercoaster. It's been mental, aye. It's been brilliant. Last two years now, I had a chance to just open, look at what I've done, because it's just constant. Like, as soon as I finish something, I'm right on to the next thing. So I just, just love doing it. It's brilliant. So no, it's, absolutely. Aye. There's there's nothing there's nothing better than doing something you enjoy. And, that is, you know, aye. I mean, I've, I've, with this sort of stuff myself, mm-hmm. it's like, it's, it's a hobby for me, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm not getting anything out of it other than you know all this stuff mm-hmm. and you know there's nothing financial or that but mm-hmm. it's just I do it for the love of it, and aye, that's it aye. if you can get a job that, that you get that feedback from that you get that enjoyment from oh aye, god you take it, it. Mm-hmm. so Are last you, question sorry I was I'll let Andy sorry. say his last question no, no no last question right, yeah. so which person in the world would you most like to meet who would I most like to meet yeah that was say didn't you should you meet your heroes not? should just be disappointed but, um, I, I, I'll tell you in a wee second but don't worry about that. Aye. <laughs> yeah. I'd have loved to have um, sat down with like Kurt Vonnegut, the author, the kind of sci-fi author. I'd love to have um, sat down with him. I'd like, quite like to meet him. Um, Is he still living? Don't know. No, he's not. But I'd love to. I'd love to meet Stephen King because he's just like the most prolific creator in the world, and just try and get some advice off him. Just Is he still loving? Aye, he's still. Okay, we'll aye. see. What <laughs> 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 now, that kind of stuff. What were we going to say there, Tom? No, were you talking about your meeting, meeting your heroes? I was mm-hmm. talking about uh, you know people say you never meet your heroes, but 
I mean, whether you know or not, mm-hmm. Jim Gallagher, the ex Clydebank goalkeeper, has right. always been my hero. And um, I got to meet him at the Clydebank sporting dinner a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And it was just, you know, it was everything that you you, you, you hope for. He was, he was such a, a nice guy, you know, chatted right. away, took his time to, um, you know, spend time with us and chat away. And it was mm-hmm. absolutely brilliant. Um, but that was, you know, as great as that was, the next the next sporting dinner was even better because like myself and Tom and a few of the other guys were sitting at a table and then there was a group of the, all the, all the ex-players oh, yeah. at their own table. And we're just sitting away chatting and I, I sort of glance over and Jim Gallagher sort of, in my direction, puts his hand up. Yeah. And I'm, I look behind me, I'm going... And he puts his hand, he's like... So I look behind me again to see who he's pointing <laughs> at. And I'm like, me? He's like, aye, come on over, come on mm-hmm. over. And I'm like, Jim Gallagher has mm-hmm. recognised me and is asking me to come over for a <laughs> chat. And I'm like, that was Looks just, you, you know, that, that was like, oh, mm-hmm. as, as, as good as meeting him initially was, that, mm-hmm. that was like, Jim Gallagher knows I exist mm-hmm. after meeting him the first time. So, yeah, meet your aye. heroes. Mm-hmm. Always meet your heroes. That's good. That's what mm-hmm. I say. Aye. Well, I was just going to ask Chris again, talking about his, his writing career, because you've written a few football Based stories, aye. and you know, you've been on View from the Terrace, mm-hmm. reading your football-based stories. So mm-hmm. is that a kind of, are you always thinking when you're at the game or something? Is there a wee aye, story aye, aye. here? Because um, I like just like, you know, applying that. Kind of, it's kind of like surreal stuff I write with my kind of short stories and quite weird. I just, it automatically becomes weirder and more surreal when you just apply it to a football environment. When you impose something on top of it, it makes it, it's, it's quite funny. It's quite a nice kind of yeah. juxtaposition, I suppose. Um, I love that, like just sitting at the game and thinking, you know, whiff, 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 this just all kicked off, what would happen? Like, and w- one of your uh, one of your most popular characters in your books is Big Angie. Aye, aye. And Big Angie's a Red Hot Rangers aye, supporter. Aye. <laughs> and it's interesting, obviously, with you being a Celtic aye. man, and you've made w- one of your one of your, your big characters aye. a Red Hot Bear. Aye, aye. Um, I am just, uh, she's based on like, Mostly based on my granny, but also this woman that I used to serve in the sports group all the time. And she would come in on the days like the Orange Walk and she she would wear like a kind of like a Union Jack like dress and stuff. And like, she was an older woman like in her sixties and just all these like sovereign rings and they'd have like Union Jacks on and that. And I just thought she was fascinating. Like just thought, oh, man, what, what does she get up to when she's going here at the Orange Walk? And then that's where kind of big Angie came to. And the thing is, Angie's she's quite a likable character, even aye, though aye, she aye. does aye. a few unsavoury things. That she, she does. I like, I like doing that. I like kind of messing with people's like, kind of expectations, expectations of characters. Because like, kind of, you do really like her, even though aye. I think in one of your stories she covers up a murder. But she is a dead likable character. And you, you do sort of enjoy aye. spending spending time with her. And, and, and being a Celtic fan, you would think a lot of what she's as a sort of negative traits you would think all that but it's actually no it's, it's quite, in, quite endearing <laughs> okay so we'll, we'll go back to the to the magazine um, still on page 39 I think so there's a what's on section a mm-hmm. um, couple of wee, maybe a couple of wee things I want to point yeah. out so Wednesday 25th of July it says recent amendments to the laws of the game became operational across the world one of these is a player level with the last defender is no longer offside. So it's just one of the fascinating things about reading back in the old magazines is that you do get a sense of, wow, what, before this point, this didn't happen or this wasn't a rule. So Wednesday, 25th of July, 1990, 
at that before that point, if you were level with a player, then you were offside. So the rules changed saying that if you were level, then you weren't offside. And I think it's, I mean, the whole offside thing is that yeah, we could go on a whole podcast about that with me. I mean, I just think, for me, it should be daylight. You know, even if you're ahead of a player, if some of you is in line with them, it should just be... But, but back then, it used to even be three players back in the 20s or something. It was three players you had you had to have sort of in, in front of you. Wow. To, and they changed and they changed that and made it two. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, like that, oh. it used to be that you had to be, second defender had to be ahead yeah. of the attacker and then it became online. But but no, it just gets muddied. So, Thursday the 5th of July, FIFA deny rumours an Argentinian player failed a drugs test at the World Cup. Anybody, any thoughts on who that might have been? <laughs> <laughs> so, that could have been one of many, I suppose. Eh? Uh, Thursday the 12th of July, um, well, apart from the, the walks that were going on that day, uh, John Collins joined Celtic from Hibs for nearly a million pounds and Go Rangers on. complete 1.2 million signing of Oleg Kuznetsov. So... You know, it was quite a quiet day in Glasgow that day. Um, so what did you think of John, John Collins, a, a Celtic? I always liked player. him, I always liked him when I was younger. Um, I remember because my ma and my auntie used to work at Celtic Park and they would, my granny would always ask them, oh, is, he, is he handsome in real life? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I just remember like, when he was at Celtic with, with Ronnie Dyler, there was always a talk about him, like, Showing off how fit he was to the players and doing press ups in the in the change rooms and all that to try and intimidate them. Just yeah. like a character, so yeah. He was a he was a good he was a good player. Oh, he was yeah. certainly a good a player for Hibs and a good mm-hmm. player for for uh, Celtic. He had a good mm-hmm. had a good career, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, and there's a suggestion there that uh, Roma were gonna pay six million pounds for Paul Gascoigne. Wow. Well he went he went to the other side. Yeah, he also it? went to the other side yeah, of Rome, so. yeah. We then come to a competition to win some Gaza footballs. Um the Gaza Dazzler. Yeah, the Gaza Dazzler. Yeah, as I say, already Gaza Mania had kicked in. You know, it was like, how can we make money off this? Um, <laughs> now, the balls are supplied by Stuart Surridge. Now, Surridge is a name. I don't know if you've heard the name Surridge when it comes to football gear. Mm-hmm. I think it's more... I've, I've seen it with some teams around this sort of era, um, lower division ones, but I think it's more synonymous with, with cricket gear than anything right. else. So I think they, they were big suppliers to the cricket world. Um, but in, in order to win... Some Gazler, Dazzler footballs. Who was the man, Newcastle manager that sold Gaza to Spurs in 1988? Any ideas? Because I never checked this. Now. Oh, you know, you <laughs> I, I thought no. Tom will check. Well, let's let's ask that out. So let's. Um, if you want to win a Gazler Dazzler football, and by that I mean you know just the idea of it, then send your your <laughs> answers um, somehow. Um, so we've got Admiral World Cup football boots again, very similar to the the, the previous ones. Are very nineties, you know, Ellen. It's got that look to them. It's starting to look a bit cheap, I think. Um, page forty-two. So we've got um, meet Scotland's first Soviet star since Sergei Sergei Botacha. Um So Bota- he was born in nineteen fifty-eight. So he's sixty-one at the moment. And his full name Sergei Pavlovich Baltacha, and he was born in Mariupol in Ukrainian Soviet Union. Um, his teams he started at Dynamo Kiev. He was there from '76 to '88. Played 245 leagues games. Um, he moved to Ipswich Town and was there for a couple of seasons, and then he moved to St Johnston. Talks to the Ipswich wouldn't play him as a sweeper. Yeah, yeah, and, and 
that's I think that was his preferred position. I think he played that at Kiev and um, was it Alex Totten, I think, who was the St Johnson manager, promised him, says, look, come with us and basically you can play whenever you want. He says that if you want to play modern football, you have to use a sweeper. Mm. Well. Yeah, and I think I think the uh, Ipswich, he, the manager said that he just didn't think a sweeper system suited the English game, which I understand to a degree, but it was developing. Yeah. You know, the whole game was developing, so it just wasn't moving with the times. So he played over those three seasons. St. Johnson played 90 league games and then he moved to Inverness Caledonian where he was a player manager and then Caledonian Thistle after the, the, the merger. The merger. Um, he played for the USSR between 1980 and 88, um, 45 times. He was actually in the 1988, I think it was, the European Championship final. So they, when they played the Netherlands, nearly said the H word <laughs> he played the Netherlands of course which is the goal that Van Basten scored you've oh, seen know. that where they scored from an acute angle which is one of the greatest goals mm-hmm. it's ever yeah. been but, but for me the, the, what gets overlooked is uh, Arnold Muren's terrific crossfield pass for that for that goal yeah I'm sticking with the goal itself yeah but it's, it's, it's the <laughs> ball that Muren pings over to him he's overlooked angle. anybody else would be like that's a terrible ball what it's overlooked but uh, it interests me thing that uh, uh, Sergio Baltacher says after he signed for St. Johnson, the Premier League is obviously a better class than the English second division. Well, there we go. As Sergio says it, then mm-hmm. Sergio knows his well, football. You know, I don't know if you would say that now, that the Scottish yeah. Premier League's a better class than the English Championship. Put, yeah, I, I don't think it's... Um, yeah, I, I, it's, it's just one of these ones that, you know, you could argue either way until you're blue in the face and mm-hmm. people wouldn't agree with you or they would agree with you so let's leave that <laughs> and as I mentioned his son as well and his, his son uh, Sergio Baltacha Jr also went on to play for Scotland under 21 yeah oh. played, was it St Mirren as well and Peter's uh, Hill Mother, Motherwell ended up at played for. I don't know how many games he got I mean it's not it's not. I don't really remember him in the game much um, no so I don't know how he how, how did uh, Sergio won a bronze medal at the 1980 Olympic Games Um as I say, he was in the. He won the European Cup Winners' Cup. Um, he won the Soviet Top League and the Soviet Cup four times each, and he won the Soviet Super Cup three times. So, you know, he came with a lot of pedigree from Dynamo Kiev. Made his debut for Ipswich Town, and he was the first Soviet player to play in the English Football League. So he then became the first Soviet to play in the Scottish League. So that was a double for him there. Um, he worked as a PE teacher in London until 2012 after retiring and worked as a coach at Charlton Athletic as well. Um, he was formerly married to Olga and had a daughter, Elena, and son, Sergei, who we've, we've talked about. Elena was a professional tennis player, but she sadly died of liver cancer. He's just 30 in May 2014. Um, I believe there was a documentary about her. There, there was recently. recently, yeah. Um, yeah, I've just, it just came back to me there. It was a BBC Alba documentary. Just, uh, yeah, just straight in my head. <laughs> um, so in the article, he's 32 years at the 32 year old at the time, um, and he says he's actually endured 18 months of misery at Switch Town. So, you know, he loved the place, but he just didn't enjoy the football. And as Tom says, because he wasn't getting played in his favourite position as sweeper, um, he loved life. Ipswich, but he hoped for a similar life up in Scotland. Um, I've, he says, I've played against Scotland in the World Cup and also against Rangers and Celtic in the European Cup, so I know what their football is like. 
Um, his English improved at Ipswich, so he believes he's better prepared for life in Scotland. And his dreams of playing in Europe with St. Johnson. Now, I checked. That didn't happen. So, <laughs> um, mention is made of Sergei Junior when he was 12 years old. So, he was at Ipswich Boys Club, or a club in Ipswich, and he scored 87 goals in one season. So, you know... I, I don't know how much we can read into that, but that's still pretty impressive. Um, back page is the Gary Lineker photograph that we, we started off talking about. Um, well, it's yeah, I, I, just on that, if we look at that back, we'll come back to that, but if we look at the back page again, there's something really strange going on. Have you noticed that? No. Look on the left-hand side, up at the top. Up in the air. Well, so there's a boot <laughs> up in the air, and I have no idea what position... Somebody's body must be in <laughs> to get that boot up there. So, so there's a there's a football boot up in the air, at shoulder level, with Gary Lineker and the the West German player. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like I'd just love to be able to see the rest of that photograph, the rest of that scene, to to see that somebody's been broken in two or something to get in that <laughs> position. Sorry, Tom, would you want to go back to one of the adverts? Well, yeah, I was going to look at the Umbro new season 1990-91. So there's a mixture of some classic kits and some quite horrible kits in there as well. But there's a, there's a Celtic uh, one there, uh, so which brings us on to Chris. Are you any favourite Celtic strips? Hey, I like the the Centenary one, the nineteen eighty eight one, and then the I like that. I like the the one I remember, like Larson wearing his first yeah. kind of season with the big umbro. Oh, yeah, I yeah. remember that. I like that. And then there was the, the black and gold one. The, the, there was in. Yeah, 2004, yeah. I think, the Black Magic strip it was called. I like that. Right. Yeah, I got that Petrov on the back of it. What do you think of those those two there, the 1990 oh, 91 strips? They're cracking. They're really nice. Oh, that home one's a really good I, one. I, I, go, like, I go to that home one. Um, like recently, I go to OVB, and I, I was desperate for it, and the only size I could find was a large. <laughs> I was like, it won't be that big. And it came, it was like fucking 10. That was one of the things in the 90s, the size of kits. It was giant, right? Yeah, and yeah. it was just block as well. There was Aye. no shape to it. Mm. I was, it was doing my knees. It was, <laughs> it was giant. <laughs> so you, you've played uh, in, at Parkhead, so have, yeah. aye, you've aye. played for Celtic a few I times have, in aye. celebrity have, games. Um, not very good. You know? <laughs> um, first time I played, it was a Celtic Rangers charity game, and it was in... Uh, didn't feel like Clyde. So it was like, I was playing, I was like, uh, Simon Donnelly again for Celtic. Did he remember you? Didn't remember me, no. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, up against the like, Rangers team, had like Charlie Miller, Marvin Andrews, Bo Balcom. And uh, I, I was I was terrible, I wasn't brilliant at all. But um, Rudy Vata was on the Celtic team. I've heard, I've heard Rudy's and, quite um, uh, tough. Oh, he's something else. So I, I was playing right wing. And I was that right. If I'm just, I'll just try and get it forward, man. Maybe I can just be sneaky, maybe I can get a wee cross in or something, maybe I can get one end or something in the box. In the first five minutes, we got caught offside. I just every day going like, number six, number six, you're fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus, man. I was like, get back, get back. I was like, all right, mate, all right, I'm back, I'm back. And then Rangers get a corner. He's gone, you, number six, watch him, watch him. Do not let him get away. And then the guy got away, scored. <laughs> he's like, fuck, he's just screaming, man, at me. So he's absolutely screaming at me. My granddad was on the side of the pitch. He was like, get ready to come on and have a word of him. <laughs> And then uh, they've asked me to go back and play. And any time they ask me, I'm like, is Rudy playing? And they say, I, I say, no, I'm not playing. <laughs> I must admit, I've heard uh, similar stories with Simon Weir about Aye. Rudy Vata Aye. as well. So, oh. 
Yeah, I don't think it's just you. I think Rudy's just expecting a certain level. <laughs> I know. And he's not getting, so. <laughs> okay, so um, just want to have a wee shout out to, so what we're doing, we're, we're hoping to have 12 episodes of the podcast um, and for each season. And I don't mean for each season of the football, we'll have 12 episodes on what we call a season. And for each season, we're going to have a charity partner that we're going to team up with, with the podcast. Um, so this season we're, we're, we're pleased and delighted to announce that Back On Side um, is our charity partner this season. Um, now they are basically a, a, a charity to support uh, mental health issues and a lot of it's geared towards in sports. So um, we'll get more information on that um, and share it on Twitter, on social media and in our subsequent podcast as well. But what we're going to do is we're going to have a donate button um, as part of this podcast that you can donate some money to. And as part of that, it will for every pound that you donate, it will put you into essentially a raffle. It will buy you a raffle ticket and we will be raffling off the actual magazine that we've just talked about. So it will be the original magazine itself. We also have an oversized magazine which will get everyone to sign. Um, that will be included in that as well and we'll maybe throw in a few other goodies as well for every pound you donate it will give you an entry to that so if you donate a pound you've got one entry if you donate two pound two entries so forth and what we'll do is 50% of that will go towards a charity and 50% will go towards a podcast for, for you know keeping us running etc so we'll provide details of that on the website um, our, we our website for Shoot, Shoot the Breeze is I can't remember, so just bear with me a wee second. We'll cut this wee bit out and I'll come back to it. Um, <laughs> can can we get something off you, Chris? Could you? Of course, I could sort you out a bit or two. Yeah, that'd be brilliant. Neighbor, neighbor. Okay, so they. <sighs> I'm struggling right now. Let's do this bit again. Well, we're just a couple of minutes away, so this is yeah. this is a taking the body into the corner flag <laughs> part of the podcast. Yeah. So, Chris, have you got anything coming up you want to plug for the next few months? Aye, uh, aye. Um, so I've got a, um, I have two plays on at the Glasgow Colony Festival. So the first one is um, my first kind of full end play. So it's called Runner, and that's on at March the twenty fifth in the Strong Theatre. So you can get tickets for the Glasgow Colony Festival uh, website. I'm also part of Tom's short attention span theatre. Um, I'm having a play on there as well. So what's the date? Yep, for we're at the we're, we're at the Gilded Bloom in Edinburgh. Uh, on Wednesday the 11th of March and then the Glasgow Comedy Festival 13th and 14th March at the CCA mm -hmm. in Sock Hill Street and again you can get tickets for that at the uh, Glasgow Comedy Festival website and uh, so you're part of it's going to be in five short plays mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, including uh, Angie Strachan and Lorenzo Navani and Katrina Dugan as well Excellent And you've got your, your books are available to buy from 404 Inc I get them for 404 Inc. Hings and HWFG are both available for 404inc.com or Waterstones or I mean, preferably they, they, they no sound Amazon. Like, they sound like a great Christmas present for people. I would like to think so. I would yeah. like to think so, aye. <laughs> right, so we have a, 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 a podcast web um, Twitter page that's called shoottb underscore podcast. So that's S-H-O-O-T-T-B underscore podcast. Just rolls off the, tr the tongue. Um <laughs> Come to myself at Scotch Footy Cards on Twitter. Tom is Tom Brogan on Twitter. On Twitter. Chris is at Chris McQueer underscore. There we Twitter. go. Mm -hmm. 
underscore as well mm-hmm. at the end there. So, you know, come along, follow us, follow everyone. But we'll get the details out on there. As I say, for every pound you donate, you, you get an entry into this, and the you know half of the money will go to a great um, organisation with back on side. Um, so with that, I'd like to thank my my our guest Chris um, for for joining us today. Oh, Thanks, Chris. Thank uh, Tom, thank you for for being Tom. Absolutely. And from myself, Andy Smith, and also thanks to our producer Diane Jarden. Thank you very much, Diane. You've been absolutely brilliant. Thank you for joining us and hopefully see you next time where we will shoot the breeze. Might just get the chip and he does, he's scored! We'd like to say a special thanks to Pete Wiley of the Mighty Wah for use of Story of the Blues in the music for our show. You can catch up with Pete on www.petewiley.co.uk where you can check out the details of upcoming gigs and new music. Thank you, Pete.